Good to have you with us tonight. Open your Bibles, would you please, to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. We're still talking about these things I talked to you about a couple of weeks now, and I want to get back on this, and I'll bring you up to speed, and then tonight I want to talk to you about one of the first things he says to add to your faith, and that would be virtue. We'll get to that uh, tonight, but I want to I want to review a little bit and bring you up to speed on this. Look, if you would please, starting in First Second uh, Peter chapter number one, starting in verse number four, whereby are given unto us. Just listen to these 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 uh, adverbs here. Ready? I think adverbs, right? Exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great, precious. That's a lot. And then he says promises. That by these, there it is, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now I'm interested in that already. Now watch this. Besides this, besides what he just talked about, giving all diligence, that's we'll talk about that tonight when we get there, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number nine. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, or I think it's necessary, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath shown me. Now, what he's talking about here, when uh, before the Lord was getting ready to go away, he's, he, remember he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And uh, Peter got a little little upset about all that, I think, and wanted to know why he kept asking this. And, and the Lord told him, uh, because I'm going to use you in a great way, and I'm going to tell you how you're going to die too. Peter immediately turned around, pointed at John the beloved, and said, what about him? Just like kids in a family, right? Okay, that may be true, but what about my sister? And so he points at John the Beloved. I think it's in, in John chapter 20 or 21. And he points at him, and here's what the Lord said, ready? Like a mom and dad. What's that to you? Right, that's what he told him. He said, what, that's, what is that to you? If I want him to live forever, that's none of your business. And, and so that, that's where that comes from. That's what he's referring to here, okay? said So verse number 14, knowing that surely I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord uh, Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Father, thank you for the Bible. Help us please tonight to learn something more about your word. Not everything we add to our lives, some things are for us to use for others. 
And so, God, I pray that tonight, though, in this particular case, a lot of this we have to add or we cannot continue on past a point. So I ask you to please help me tonight to help your people. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your everlasting word. Thank you for your dear and only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this place and these dear people. Help me to help your people tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, I want you to look at this, if you would, please. We're talking about in verses number, follow me along. I'll bring you up to speed again. I know you've had a lot going on in your life. In verse number 4, 8, 9, 10, 12, and 15, he says these things. These things. We talked about that, right? So this is not something I'm just pulling out of a verse. Several times he brings out and talks about these things. And then he goes on. So here's what we have. First of all, six promises. Six promises. If you do these things, uh, and in verse number uh, 8, we'll go there in a minute. If you do these things and they be in you and abound. So they, there's the there's the preface, okay? First of all, they have to be in you. They have to abound, right? You can't just think about them. They have to be in you, like a part of you, and they have to abound. They make you, look at verse number eight, they make you that you'll neither be barren. So these things, not you, if these be in you, these things make you that you neither barren. So what do you mean? Not useless. I I don't know. I don't don't know what some Christians do. I, I, I I can't be useless. I might as well be dead, right? I mean, why why go to church? Why do anything if you're useless? I mean, right? Uh, a dead stick is useless, but a tree is an advantage to a lot of different things. That's growing, right? Okay, so here he's saying these things, they make you, they make you that you'll neither be barren. In other words, you'll always be useful. If these things are in your life and abound, they will make you useful. So then he also says, look at verse number eight, nor unfruitful. Now, is he talking about success or good success? Think with me now. Is he talking about success or good success? Talk to me. Good success. A lot of people have success in the world, but not good success. Good success is what God designs for your life, and you're fulfilling that. That's good success. That's everlasting success. Those are things that will even help other people, all right? Now, a lot of people are very successful at what they do. I didn't say it necessarily was sinful, but we were talking about success or good success. And here he says in verse number 8, nor unfruitful. Now remember, in the Middle East and a lot of third world countries, they don't just have shade trees. The things they plant and the animals they have, they don't have beautiful horses. That's meat. They don't have trees for shade. They have fruit trees, banana trees. They have things that produce food, okay? And so here he's saying, nor unfruitful. We're not just supposed to be a Christian that just sits here and doesn't do any harm to anybody. We're supposed to be producing in our life. So these things will make you that way. But then look at verse number 9. If you lack these things, in other words, these things are not in you and they're not abounding, you're lacking these things, you cannot see afar off. You cannot see afar off if you lack these things. So if you lack these things, if these are not in you and they're not abounding, this is why so many Christians cannot see the will of God if it's right here in front of them. You mean this is what I should do? Well, what does the Bible say about this? Why can't they? It's not that they're not being honest. They can't see it. And the Bible clearly says that if these things are not in you, you can't see very far. Talking about your the will of God for you, not just the overall will of God in the Bible. If you're saved, you should understand some of that if you've been in a Baptist church very long. But here he's talking about you that you cannot see very far. Now, these things need to be in you, these things, and abound. If they are, they make you this, 
And if you don't have them, this is the outcome. All right, you follow me so far? Okay, so this is what he's talking about here. Now go down to verse number 10. But you need to do these things. Okay, you can't just read about them, can't just memorize them, can't just, you know, throw them around. They have to be in you and abound. If you will do these things, verse number 10, ye shall never, that is amazing to me. That statement itself is amazing, isn't it? Shall never fall? But what does he mean by that? Because the Bible said a righteous man falleth seven times. But the rest of it, I think, is what he's referring to. He'll rise back up again. Righteous people don't know how to stay down. They just, they just don't know how to. It's not right. I can't do it. Okay, I messed up. I sinned. I, I did wrong. But I, I got to get back into church again. I got to do what God said again. I got to start praying again. They just, they won't stay down. It just doesn't work that way. And so we find out here that their life, their testimony will not fall. It won't fail. It'll always be there. Somewhere along the line, you're influenced for Christ. You'll never be shipwrecked. You'll never be a castaway. Look, there's a lot of people that even in churches at one time, they've royally messed up or out in the world, and they're back serving the Lord. So their life was not a castaway. You understand? I understand. We're not talking about faultless, sinless, never doing anything wrong. Nobody's that way. Not even you. Okay, don't raise your hand. Now, so I want you to go down to verse number 12. Verse number 12, we talked about, also said this, you be established in the present truth. Now, what he's talking about here is you won't keep changing to new truth. He said present truth. Not this is present, this is now present, now this is present, now this is present. What is truth? Thy word is true. Okay, that's what the Bible teaches us. So you won't keep changing. The Bible talks about that we won't be blown around by every wind of doctrine and cunning craftiness of men, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. When I mention uh, that we're in a war, you ought to see some, even some of you at times, or new Christians go like, yes, what's wrong with the church? Is there a battle or something here? We're so distanced from true Bible preaching anymore and teaching. When you mention absolute things, it's almost like that's unbelievable. Our church I come from, they didn't used to do that all the time. I would like to know why any church that's really doing what's right is not some kind of a battle. So, what does he say? Not moved from what is right. In other words, you don't drift into error. I listen to this guy on the radio. I have a friend down at work. You know, some of our family, they said this, a church friend of mine that goes someplace else, you know what they're doing? You're drifting. Drifting isn't something done purposefully. It's something done out of neglect. You didn't drop anchor. You didn't pay any attention. And the boat just followed the tide. And the only way you know how far you drift is if there's a landmark. There you are fishing, having a good time, ready, not paying attention. Time to go. what happens to Christians all the time. And the Bible said, if these things be in you and abound, they make you, they establish you in the present truth. Look at verse number uh, 11. He said, you'll be, you'll have the promise of a portion of eternal blessings. Again, uh, you, if, I wish you'd have been here when Corey walked in. Brother Dave Usher is the same way. Some of you are the same way. It doesn't seem to matter what you're going through or how bad you hurt. You seem to have this 
joy that comes from eternity somewhere. That's just, it's in you. Emma's that way. Her husband's not, but Emma's that way. Uh, just this, this, this always, no matter how she's struggling, no matter what's happening, it's going to be okay. God is in charge. The Lord still loves us. We're going to get through this. And you're thinking, so how do you do that? Well, here he simply says, if these things be in you, now if they're lacking, forget it. But if they be in you and abound, abound means overflowing. It's not, I think I got a pinch of this. No, it's overflowing. Okay, everybody knows it. So first of all, six promises if you do these things and if they be in you and abound. Number two, six promises are those are, are to those who have in them these eight things and abound. Now, what am I talking about? There were some prerequisites or some uh, preparations we must make in order to have these eight things. Now, if I want these if I want these six promises, I have to have these eight things. In order to have these eight things, there's some prerequisites that I have to do. Number one, you ready? No one, remember we talked about this, no one of these things done alone will get you any of these six promises. It becomes a group, okay? Uh, you can't go to Kroger and buy a grape. I don't think, can you do that? I don't think you buy a grape. Uh, they normally, even when they cut them off, they, they come like in little, what do you call them? Huh? A bunches. Bunches, right? Okay. What we're talking about tonight, like, like, like the gifts of the Spirit, I'm sorry, not like the um, fruit of the Spirit. When did I lose control over here? When it's talking about the gifts, uh, I'm sorry, when it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not like, oh, look, I have long suffering. No, it doesn't come out that way. It grows like a group or a, or a bunch, okay? So that's why it's called the fruit, not the fruits. Fruit. And the same thing here. This comes all together. So no one of these done alone, you say, I, I think I have patience. I think I'm long-suffering. All of them. If these things, not that thing or that thing, these things, okay? King's English. If these things, no, no one of these things or two of these things done alone will get you any of those six Tremendous promises. Number two, you must abound in these things. Not that one or that one. These things. You must abound. Now, if these things are in you and abound, it's going to be real recognizable, right? Because when you read about what these things are, you're thinking, wow, that is really something. So, these six promises are to those who have in them these eight things and are abounding. These promises are to those who have these eight things in them and abounding. Follow me so far? Okay. But there are some prerequisites. There are some preparations we must make in order to get started and to have these things. Number one, no one of these things done alone will get you any of these six things. Number two, they must abound in these eight things. Abound. Look, you want these great big promises? You're not going to do it with this. You want big blessings? Okay, right? Okay, we're like Americans working today. I, I, I don't want to work hard. I just want more money. I want bigger benefits and more money, but I don't want to work any harder. God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. You see these great big promises here? You do that. They're yours. Oh, come on. Can I have them anyway? No. Okay, so I think what God's doing is saying, let me show you some chicken. Remember? You remember the illustration? Extra crispy non-fattening, no cholesterol, won't gain any weight, eat as much as you want, 
that's what I'm selling. You go, okay, what's in it? What do I have to do to get it? This is what I'm telling you. These are the great promises. Here are the ingredients. This is what you have to do to get those great promises. You want that kind of chicken so you can eat it any time you turn around? You better find out what the ingredients are, right? So this is what we're trying to do now. So number three, you must have all eight and in proper order. Okay, well, look what it says here. Remember, God knew our building and has to be done in the right order. Look what it says here. Add to your faith, then virtue, then knowledge, then, then, then. Add to, add to, add to, add to, right? Doesn't come as a lump. Uh, Brother Usher used to lay block and stone and stuff like that. And what you do, you don't start off and say, let's build a wall. Boom, there it is. No, you put one down, settle it, put it where it needs to be. You add another one. You add another one. When that all gets done, you push it all away and start again. That's not what you add to, but you have to have the first one. Then you add to the first one, the second one. Then you add to the first and second one, the third one. And this is what God's trying to say. Here's what you need to do to do these things. You need to add two, okay? Number, I'm on number four. Roman number, I'm trying to show you something. You must be diligent to acquire these. We'll talk about diligence tonight uh, here in just a minute, so I'm not going to spend any time there. And then number five, it must be in your subconscious. You know, when the Bible says, I talked to you a little bit about what meditation was. Meditation is deep thinking with just yourself. I read something and I had prayer and I'm going to think about this. What does that really mean? See, I'm thinking. I'm not really talking or anything, but I'm meditating on what I had learned. All right? Now here, what he says here, you must you must meditate day and night, always on your mind, always on your mind. You know what's on our mind a lot, we tend to do a lot. So if these things have to be in me and abound, it would help if I think about them all the time. So God is laying out the plan. He's laying out the ingredients. He's laying out the how-tos. He's giving us all the equipment, all the materials we need. If you want this, this is the stuff it's going to take. Here are the blueprints. Here is the man hours. This is what it's going to take. You have to decide, do I think this is worth it or not? The one thing he says in here, never fall. That in itself will make me want this. Forget the rest of them, but God says, oh, no, I'll give you this one, this one, and this one, and this one, too. But when he says you'll never fall, doesn't that just make you salivate as a Christian and go, you're kidding me. All the people I know, better Christians than I have fallen, God, God made a promise. And God said, if these things be in you and abound, they make you, you'll never fall. So, what happens here is your desire has to be in the law of the Lord. This is how God teaches one to go about having these great eight things, to have these six big league promises. So there's eight things I must have in my life, in me, doing them and abounding to get these six promises. However, there's also prerequisites. Go back to uh, 2 Peter chapter number 1, look at verse number 5. And beside this, give all diligence. This is a prerequisite. Add to your faith virtue. Add to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance. See, we're adding, we're adding, we're adding. They don't come at once. You can't just add them any way you want to. It's an order. God said you're starting with faith. You're starting with faith. And now with faith, you're going to add knowledge. And to 
faith and knowledge, you're going to add temperance. And to faith and knowledge and temperance, you're going to add patience. And to those three, you're going to add godliness and godliness to brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness charity. So tonight I want to talk to you about diligence. Uh, like most people in America that I know of, except for Kaylee. She in here? I was talking to Kaylee. What was that word I asked her about? She was out back and I asked her, Somebody mentioned a word, and I said, do you even know what that means? You wouldn't believe what she told me. Do you remember what it was? We're sitting at a table, and I looked at Jessica, and I looked at her. I didn't know what to say. Most kids in my high school class wouldn't know that. And I thought, wow, that's exactly what she, I mean, it caught me off guard. I asked her, I said, do you even know what that means? It just, yeah, it means this and this. I went, oh. It's pretty impressive. It really was. It's like diligence. You ask most people, they'll try to give you illustrations, examples. What does it mean? What is diligence? Now, you'd say, well, stay at it. Well, that's only part of it. Part of it, but it's not all there is to diligence. So I want to talk to you about that tonight. So this is a prerequisite, diligence, add to your faith. So with diligence, I need to start this, okay? So first of all, we're going to talk about that tonight. Ready? Write some of this down. In verse number five, there are three places that this is mentioned. I thought I had this uh, someplace. Maybe we'll get to Okay, we'll get to it here in just a minute. God is saying be diligent in acquiring these eight things. So in order to get these eight things, there's a way I need to go about it. And God said diligence is the way you want to go about acquiring these eight things. So I want to know what diligence is. It bothers me when people, especially God's people, are not diligent in their efforts. We're not diligent. We're starting to act like the world. Ah, it's not that big a deal. Ah, take it or leave it. Ah, I can do without it. Ah, why they keep saying that. So we're getting to this place we don't really know what diligence is, and God requires that. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do with all thine heart. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Not just what you think is important. Whatever I show in the high schoolers again, how kids down at McDonald's mops the floor. Got your earbuds in, right? They're not listening to anybody, fluffing their hair back, the boys. And then they get fired. Mommy comes along, wants to know why they got fired. Because Junior said, Mom, I was mopping the floor, and they just come and fired me. Brother Usher, in the military, do they teach you how to properly mop a floor? I'll take that as a yes. So, so first of all, not just church stuff. Listen to me carefully, ladies and gentlemen. Not just church stuff be diligent. He said, whatsoever your hands find to do. He didn't clarify and simply say, in this area that I care about. No, he said, in all areas. Whatsoever your hand find to do. Second of all, your hand should be finding things to do. We should always be busy. When you're not busy, you should be asleep. normally are, right? Okay, there we go. Number three, once you do, once you find things for your hands, no matter what it is, you need to be diligent. So let's learn what diligent is. So, okay, if I'm playing basketball, I need to be diligent, right? If I'm shoveling gravel, I need to be diligent. Whatsoever your hands find to do, is that right? Whether I'm working on a paper, I need to be diligent. Right? No matter what I'm doing here. I heard that. Uh, if, I, if I'm cutting grass, 
if our mowers were working, we would be diligent. If I'm working on a bus, going soul winning, he said, whatsoever your hand find to do, do it diligently. Do it with all thy might. The half-hearted attitude in today's Christianity amazes me. Half in, half out. Hey, want to go to church tonight? I don't know. You think it's going to be any good? Those are the services I hope hit the roof and they come by. What happened when I was gone? Uh, you should have been here. I love telling people that. I act like I really care. Oh, we should have been here. I don't. I hope you feel miserable now. Isn't that terrible? I got a bad attitude, don't I? And so what happens here, it is half in, half out, all for it today, and we could care less about it next weekend. I don't get that stuff. Now, if you're going to make this thing work so that you never fall, so that you have these things, so you can get these six promises, these eight things must be in you and abound, and you can't just take it or leave it as it shows up. He said, no, I want you to be diligent in acquiring these eight things. So diligence. God is saying, just in case you'd like to, the guarantee of always being useful, having good success, knowing the will of God for your life, life never be shipwrecked, never always have a portion of happiness, eternal happiness, never be moved from present truth. Do these eight things, and here's how you acquire them, with diligence. Go after it. You got all day. So what are we talking about? We'll find out here in verse number five. Look at verse number five. He said, see what it says here? Look at what it says. Beside this, giving all diligence add to. See what it says? Giving all diligence. Go down to verse number 10. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence. See that? Go down to verse number 15 and watch this very carefully. Moreover, I will endeavor. Endeavor has the same root word that diligence has. Same root word. So what are we talking about? He's talking about diligence. Diligence is hurry up and do it well. I always like when people say, which one do you want? You want me to do it fast or you want me to do it right? Yes. Or I could say diligence. You follow me? Okay. Do it as fast as long as you can do it well. That makes sense? Do it fast as long as you can do it well. Some people do things really fast, and they leave things a mess. Well, I got done what you wanted. Yeah, and you left tools over here and marks on the wall, and you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so do it. Do a thorough job as quickly as you can do it thoroughly. Is this making sense to anybody? That's what diligence is. Diligence is run as fast as you can run consistently. We're not in a sprint. We're in a marathon. All of your life. That's a marathon. And I always like those guys, that, that people do it all the time. They'll come here, and like I'm dragging my feet. They show up one week. The next year, they're not even here. And they're telling, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? How come we're not doing this? I have an idea. Why don't we do this? They haven't even entered into anything yet. You want to hold out hope, but you have no idea what you're in for yet. I'll tell you what we do. Let's learn to run consistently and stay at it. Diligent. Be careful and make haste. Be careful and make haste. Diligence. Diligence is used, for example, Mary went to go see Elizabeth, and the Bible says she made haste to go see her. She was diligent. She knew where she was going, what she needed to do, and she beat feet to get there. Okay? 
horse. You just take off running. Here's what people do in, in, in bad situations. They jump on their horse, ride off in all directions, and not know what they're looking for. Anything that comes along, we'll grab it that on the way. That's confusion. That is not diligence at all. Romans says, not slothful in business, not slothful in business, but fervent. So I've got, I've got fervency, I've got, we've got to get this done, and at the same time I have, if you would, diligence, business, slothful. Don't be slothful, let's get with the program. Business. So you guys that are in business or doing business, you should be diligent. But we're specifically talking about these eight things. I need to add these to, I need to hurry up and add them to my life. I haven't got all day. Why? I want these rewards. I want these promises. If I want these promises, well, I'm going to wait until I'm 90, and then uh, I guess I finally, uh, what are you going to do then? So the Bible said, be diligent. In acquiring these things, let's give it the program. They got to do it right, but let's get with it. Get with it, but you still got to go about it right. You understand that? Okay, so watch what else. In 2 Timothy 4.21, do thy diligence. Paul is in prison. Winter's coming. He's in Rome. And he's telling Timothy and some others, you need to bring me my books, my parchments, which is the word of God, and also my cloak. Winter's coming. And what he told him was, he said, do thy diligence to come shortly. It's getting cold. You fellas need to bring me my stuff. And so he said, diligent. You know what he said? Do it right now. I'm in prison. You can't just walk in there. I have my rights. They didn't have any rights back then. Do it right, and let's get with the program. Diligence. You follow me? Okay. So listen. There is a philosophy, a teaching, an attitude in so-called deeper life churches about haste. Haste makes waste. So these so-called deeper lifer churches talk about haste. These do-nothingers love to brand the zealots as being shallow. Well, you know, the reason you, 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 you go about as fast as you can because you're just shallow. You don't understand. They're trying to belittle you. The problem is they're not diligent. I'll, I'll explain here in a minute. They use such terms as easy believism, picking green fruit, immature Christianity, these do-nothingers place a halo around that which is deliberate and slow. This is the way things should be, deliberate and slow. And we buy into it. That's why churches are dying and soul winning, buses reaching out in their community. They're dying because they're not diligent anymore. They canonize those who win no souls, give no invitations, show no growth, and have no progress. See, they're doing it right. We buy into that. They associate little growth with solid growth. They associate few converts with better converts. They associate having no zeal with having no depth. Slower life to them is deeper life. And the quieter you preach the truth, the quieter you preach the truth, the better you're teaching. When you yell and scream and get excited, you're not using truth well. They're not diligent. What do I mean? If you whisper the truth, you're deep. If you shout the same truth, you're shallow. Their problem is they are so powerless and unsuccessful, they must label people who are in a hurry to do what they are slow to do 
but not very mature. You keep listening to all those religious programs and your religious friends at other churches that no longer run their bus routes, no longer win souls, no longer separate from the world, giving in to everything, you're going to believe it. You're going to believe it. How do you think, what do you think happened to them? Many of them were taught in the same colleges you went to and the same type of churches you go to, and that's what happened to them. It's who bewitched you, not what, who. Who. So the devil brings up social media. Now we have who everywhere. Listen to anything you want to. But don't come and question me about what we do here because you've been listening to the wrong people. I listen to this guy, you know, down in Florida, and he said, I don't really don't care. I don't, it doesn't make a bit of difference to me at all. I don't care if he's from Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, New York. Where are you from? Delaware. What did Delaware, boys? Remember that one? Okay, now we go. Listen to me carefully. They are more concerned with they are more concerned with conserving results than they are having results. They are busy conserving uh, conserving the results they are not having. And the longer it takes a person to get saved, the more likely they are really saved. Where's that in the Bible? Show me that in the Bible. What happened to the thief on the cross? He instantly got saved. Well, that's an exception. Okay, what about Zacharias? He was up a tree. Before he came down, he said, I'm going to spend the day at your house. He got saved that same day. What happened to him? Oh, well, he's an exception. What about Nicodemus? One night, he got saved. Well, he's an exception. How many exceptions are you going to make? How about the woman at the well? One day, sitting there, explained one thing to her. Woman got saved, changed her whole life. What do you mean this whole thing about uh, the longer it takes, the more likely they are? If you're not careful, you'll stop your door-to-door soul winning. You'll stop witnessing to your neighbor. You'll start living a good life that they may see Jesus in you. Well, I think you ought to live a good life. But we don't have endless ages to win the lost. How about the Philippian jailer? That poor boy got saved in an emergency. So to these types of people, the Bible is more of a math book to be studied than a love letter to be lived. God said, be diligent. Be diligent. Now let's get this down. They are more concerned about the coming of Christ than they are the Christ that's coming. People, it's really easy to get, get hung up in Bible studies and subject studies instead of living for who you're studying about. Well, I read my Bible all the time. If you don't do what you say you know, you don't know anything. Faith outworks is dead. So this thing about diligence is very important. They're more concerned with types than truth and what supposedly is in the Bible than the obvious that really is in the Bible. I get asked more and more all the time about the quality of our people. People consider this to be a large church. I mean, the, the buildings, the, the, the campus. This is not a campus. This is a church. This is not, quit falling for that kind of stuff. This is not a campus, okay? This is a church. You say, well, first, ba- I don't care who calls. Look, this is Anchor Baptist Church. We are an independent, fundamental Baptist church. I happen to be the shepherd of this church. I, I'm not the shepherd of any other church, and they're not the shepherd of our church. Quit going to them asking advice for what you should be doing. They're not your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. Like it or not, it's all you got right here, okay? So what happens here is this. 
They want to know if every one of our soul winners are thorough in what they do. Well, I can tell you about my first experience about going soul winning. We like to scare a mailman straight to heaven. Were we efficient? No. But we were obedient. Did we know everything we were talking about? No, but we were talking about something. Did we know how to open up and how to present the gospel? No, but we were doing the best we know how. You see, we were diligent even in our ignorance. Some people study Bibles and, 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 and uh, evangelism explosion, which never exploded, by the way, uh, and all these other things, and they never do anything with it. So what is all that knowledge really advantaging you? Absolutely nothing. Now, if you get this quality in your character, this diligence, if you get that in there, you never have to worry about have to substitute zeal for knowledge. Why? Because you have them both. Really, diligence is a balance. You heard that word before, right? Balance is very important. You never have to figure out if it's excitement or depth, quantity or quality, quick or right. Because both of them are exactly what it should be. I should be excited and knowledgeable. It's what we've done to the charismatics. Baptists have lost their shout. How stupid is that? How can you lose your shout when you have the truth? Well, you see, Reverend, we, we study and we delve into the Bible and the depths of the word the is so important when the, in the Greek and the Hebrew. We're so taken with ourselves anymore. Wow, he knows Greek and Hebrew. We have no idea what the guy's talking about, but wow, he knows Greek and Hebrew. What are we doing? Do you know how many thousands of people gave their lives so you could have it in English? So some knucklehead on TV or in the Bible or, or, or on the radio can tell you. Now I know you don't understand Hebrew, but it helps to understand this. I'm not saying it doesn't have a place, but I, look, I've got a strong concordance in the back that's got a Greek and Hebrew dictionary. How smart you got to be to use one of those? Am I getting upset here now? So diligence is used or applied to several people. Let's talk about leadership. Let's talk about leadership. Leadership, everybody in leadership should be diligent. You see what's happening is I'm trying to acquire, acquaint us with this word called diligence. I want us to get used to saying, so somebody, I know what that means. I know what that means. I know what it applies to. I know how it's used. In order to get these eight things so we can uh, uh, to, to get these eight things so we can have those six wonderful unbelievable promises a leader should go as fast as he can continue to go a leader should go as fast as he can continue to go many pastors cover a lot of ground for a very short period of time A lot of them have put it down in granny gear and said, we're doing it right. Now, if that's all you can handle, do it right. Do it with all your might. But when you get to that point, God doesn't bring you to a wall to stop you. God brings you to a wall to see if you're going to trust him even more. You follow me? Okay, so what we're talking about here is this. Many pa I, I, I wrote down a name just as a reminder. I know a pastor years ago on another planet far, far away in a galaxy. And um, what he did, uh, first year, he started a church. Went to First Baptist Church Hammond. That's why I instructed these guys, look, all these different ideas. They went to those classes. You went to different classes. He went to different classes. I went to different classes. Uh, our ladies went to different classes. And we've all got these great ideas. We're not doing all that. 
said, why not? They're good ideas. Because, no, first of all, people don't like change, even good change. We, we had the guy that was lame uh, at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. He didn't live every day. Why do you think the Lord asked him, would you be healed? I mean, do you still want to be? You're here every day. For 38 years, you've been here for every day. He kind of got used to his misery. We even get used to bad things after a while. That's just the way life is. Once you do something to change, how I do that. How my wife and I, we've been fussing now for 40 years. I change that now. So you don't fuss for 41 years. I don't know. Great idea. So what happens is he did, he went there and added, first year, small church, country church. I tell you where it's at, but every, everything he heard up there, every club, every ministry, every new book, every new idea, he came back and said, we're changing the whole church. He hired people he couldn't even afford and saying, we're going to grow and you can be a part of it. And they fell for it. Three years later, he wasn't even there. That's a shame. I'm, by the way, I'm not happy about that. I'm just trying to explain to you that wasn't very diligent. You know, Jacob in the Old Testament, watch, watch how smart he was. When he ran into Saul, Saul come at him with, what, 400 uh, warriors, right, uh, when they finally met, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jacob, Esau. And, and they finally met, and he said this. He said, come on, let's, let's go on. And Jacob looked at him and said, wait a minute. You go on. You have warriors with you. But I'm going to, remember what he said? I'll lead on softly. You know what he's saying? This is how fast we, we're going to go in the right direction. But this is as fast we can go with what we have right now. You understand me? Okay. Then you have also, you have David. David was getting ready. He was going from where his, his family and everybody was just taken and stolen from him. And they just came back from a long trip and a long journey. And they saw the smoke and everything was bad. His wives were taken from him. All their stuff was taken from him. And his men wanted, thought about killing him. You know that story? Do you know that story? Okay, you know that story. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. And uh, so what happened was, they, David said, I got an idea. Let's go after him and we'll get everything back. He went and talked to the Lord and the Lord said, yes, go after him. You'll get everything back. So they start to take off. 600 men. 600. Against all these people. And David said, Lord said, let's go, let's go. So everybody jumped on the horses and take off. They got to a river and 200 were so faint they couldn't go any farther. They said, I don't care about that. This is what I've got in mind. We're all going to do that. He said, like, you guys stay right here. Those who can keep pace at this level, you're going to go on. You say, well, that makes sense. Well, when they came back, it didn't make sense. Because those 400 guys that fought the battle and came back, and David said, let's give them some of the, some of the reward that we got for this, not on your life. They weren't in the battle. They, David said, you'll do what you, these are your brothers. You're going to help take care of them. Not everybody's on the same level. But even if you're a baby, you should be growing in grace and in knowledge. You should still be learning. You should get involved in the work at your level and give it your best. Be diligent at your level. And don't be satisfied to stay at your level. Always be wanting to improve and do more for the Lord. Diligence. Do it as fast as you can do it right. But do it no farther than you can maintain. Bell philosophy. You ready? Push to grow as you do it right. Push to grow as you do it right. I'm just trying to make this make more sense to you. But do it, do it no faster than you can maintain. You know, one weekend uh, years ago, we had 1,675 people on a club. Oh, we could do that every weekend. Not on your life. 
it would kill everybody. There was a time before most of you got here, Monk like may know, maybe one or two others, uh, we actually had all-day Sunday church on Saturday, too. Identical. Ran all of our buses, had Sunday schools on Saturday, uh, preaching time, uh, the whole thing. You said, how'd that go? Uh, we almost killed everybody. Back in those days, we had people that had never been in Sunday school and been on bus routes for 10 years. As soon as you get in, we're going to write to work, and you're going to keep up with everybody else. And they tried. They really tried. And then when we started building this place over here, and I told somebody we're going to have adult Sunday school so we could switch some of you into adult Sunday school, you wouldn't believe how they got upset with me. I thought we cared about kids around here. You've never been in Sunday school with your wife. Didn't take a month, though, and it went like this. Uh, preacher's kind of nice to be in Sunday school. Don't worry about it. See, we just don't like change. So don't just say this is all I can do. Okay, right now, but now we still keep moving forward. I, 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 use, a, I use a philosophy. I use a phrase that I like all the time. Maintain and multiply. Keep what you got. First layer of blocks, and now let's put more on there. Let's put more on there. Let's put more on there. Don't be satisfied with that first layer. That's not a wall. That's a start. Now we've got to add two and add two and add two. And every time you do, I can't go any higher. Well, let's build a platform and then we can go higher. There's always a way to do what God wants you to do, and you need to do it with diligence. That means I need to be as excited about pastoring and growing and helping as I did 34 years ago. You said you can't keep that pace. Really? I'll tell you what, I can't keep pace with the physical way I'm doing it. And I basically forget everything else. It doesn't matter. So, that, no, okay. so what happens here is I need to, okay, it's almost like Baptist people can't wait. Preachers are the worst at it. They really are. And I hate to say this about my own kind, but they are. They can't wait to get out of Bible college and then set like they've been at it for 40 years. Yeah, I was talking to a preacher there. His name is Bill. You don't call him Bill. You call him pastor or doctor or Amen. Lord. I don't care what you call him, but you don't call him by their first name. Amen. Now, <laughs> Brother Nelman does me, but don't pay attention to him. He's a liberal. So uh, he calls me Brother George, right? And uh, my first name's not Brother. I don't know if you knew that or not. John the Baptist's middle name is not the. And so I need to be excited as I can be. When I walk through this door, I try my best to be the same every time I walk through this door. Why? Because that's what God taught me and that's what you need. It won't do you a bit of good if I come in one day and I'm all broken down and you say, preach you okay? I, well, honestly, I, you know, I haven't done any preaching today. I'm just, I'm really just worn out. I just, I don't, you understand, okay? And then next weekend, what's wrong with you people? Come on, let's give it the program. We have 45 new soul winning programs going on, 15 buses to learn. You go, what is wrong with him? Exactly. It's not consistent, causes confusion. I can't stay at it at that pace. I have to learn. Not consistently down or consistently up. Nobody is consistently up. I don't care what Brother Hiles said. I'm always on top side. Brother Hiles. Okay, he's in heaven. He knows better now. So, not up one week and down the next week. Think about yourself. Is that you? When things go right, boy, you're on top side. You can't understand why people are so cranky. But when they're not, poochy-lipped, you okay? Sure. You know people depend on you. They're gauging you. We're talking about leadership. Leadership. 
And you got a 71-year-old guy in front of you that if I told you some of the things my wife and I have faced together and or alone in all these 51 years, you'd shake your head and go, how does he do that? I don't know either, except I put one foot in front of the other, try to be as diligent as I can be, trying to do right to help others. Set yourself aside. It is not you that matters. It's only you God wants to use. Get over yourself. The best way to do this, give yourself away. But do it diligently. Uh, I want to talk to teachers real quick. Okay, can I do that? Okay, good, good. Now, I got this okay. Oh, oh you meant, you're thinking about your wife, weren't you? I, I, I'll straighten her out right now. Watch this. Teachers, listen to me. Not just the preacher, not just staff, but those also in that school out there that are teachers. I know who I'm talking to. Your students ought to know basically what to expect from you every day. Shouldn't be like this. Oh, boy. Here she comes. What are we getting today? In a world that is so confused and changing all the time, you have no business being that way. None whatsoever. By the way, that goes for you moms, too. One day you're just this, you're so syrupy and sweetie, you give everybody sugar diabetes. And the next day you're so down on everything and hate everybody, everybody's afraid to talk to you. You know what's wrong with everybody? You. That's good, wasn't it? If you're not joyful and a grouch all the time, you're not right. That's just me. Change. You're not supposed to be that way. But not for a day or a weekend. Be so joyful that you make other people around you sick. I'm talking about teachers. I'm talking about assistant people on staff and assistants here. I'm talking about dad. I'm talking about you. You had a hard time at work. Don't bring that hard time at home. And by the way, you're supposed to be an illustration to those guys too. Those are the lost people. Well, that's what we do on the job. No, you're acting like a worldling, not like a Christian. You may be saved, but you're not a Christian. I'll say it again in case you missed that. You may be saved, but you're not a Christian. Christian means Christ-like. When you get saved, your sins are forgiven, but that doesn't mean you're acting like Christ. Boy, I'm getting good at this, aren't I? Diligence is how God tells us to do I have to praise myself because nobody else wrote it. <laughs> Diligence is how God tells us to do these eight great things so we can get the, you want those six promises. You remember the promises? Preacher, I'd really like to have it. I'd like to know what that's like. Then you have to have these eight things in you and abounding and do them. But there are some prerequisites and one of them, God said, okay, if you're going to get these, you got to do it with diligence. I mean, you got to get with the program, but you got to do it right. It's like those who strive for mastery. The Bible said they must do it lawfully. You got to follow the law. If you're going to win the prize, got to give it your best, but you got to follow the rules. Diligence. Is it making sense to anybody? You say, what's this all about? Yeah, you figure it out later. That means we are to get faith and virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity as fast as we can. But be sure we do it right. So every morning when you come in, you know, after a while, working on things to be the way you should is real hard. Till you do it enough times, it's just you. Do you know how you build a, a good habit in your life? Or a bad habit? By doing it over and over again till it becomes you. 
becomes part of your character, right? Um, where's Jukai? Oh, it's up there. Uh, Jukai is a pretty decent basketball player. Tall people think they're a good basketball player, but actually he's pretty good. Uh, and But I remember when he first came here. Huh? No, you don't think he is? Mama said, uh-uh. Right after church, you and your mom, out on the court, let's go. What? That's enough. Let's be diligent now. Come on. But I remember when he first came here. How many years have you been here? Which one? Seven or eight? How long? Come on. Six? At best. Seven. Because you were ten. Take a break, folks. Let's find out. <laughs> Listen to me. Okay, Mom, he can dribble a little bit. He can. No, I don't mean drool. I mean, dri- okay, you know what I'm talking about. But he wasn't that way when he started. You know what he did? He kept at it. He kept at it. And kept at it. For six to 12 years. Who knows how long it's been. <laughs> he, just, he just He just... He just kept at it, diligent. Let's do it right. Let's do it as fast as we can do it consistently. Diligent. God said, okay, you want these? You want these six promises? you got to add these eight things that have to be in you and about. But look, we, you need to get with the program. you got to do it right. you got to do it right. you got to add, 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 okay? you got to do it right. Don't stop wasting all this time. Well, you know, when I get older, stop that. Serve thy creator in the days of thy youth for the evil days. Now's the time to do that. Why? Because this may take some time. But So let's get the program while, while we can. Okay. Hope that helped a little bit. Father, thank you so much for the Bible.